Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. Before I get into the meat of the conversation this week, I want to take a moment to point you to an article by Carly Webb on Outsports about USA Powerlifting's new category, essentially a third gender category. USA Powerlifting has been under the microscope for the last couple of years because a woman named J.C. Cooper, who's trans, uh, was, was performing well at her local powerlifting competitions, and USA Powerlifting didn't like it. So they banned her from competition, uh, and they've spent the last couple of years trying to figure out what to do with this. They've worked with a, a bunch of people, and their, their solution, well, their, 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 their current solution, their 2020 solution, is to create a third category called MX. And Carly's article does a really great job of talking to people across the LGBTQ community who all have different perspectives on this, if this is a good idea uh, or not, if this is you know just a, a, a step of many um, toward you know, what so many people are trying to figure out is what is the, the, the best way to include trans athletes in sports. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to spend a, an episode next year on this because I, I think it's so interesting and I've done so much writing and research on trans inclusion in sports. Uh, the, the idea of a third category is one that's been tossed around for a while and uh, it's, it's one I've, I've generally rejected, but I'm just, I'm, I'm interested in learning more as we continue to try to figure out how the best possible ways to include trans athletes in sports. So anyhow, that, that'll be for an episode next week, but I wanted to point you to this article just because I thought Carly did such a good job of respectfully talking with so many different people from different perspectives. And I just thought, she, I just thought Carly did a great job with it. So go check that out. Um, this week, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a news headline that the the Paris Olympics in 2024 are adding some sports. And one of the sports that they're adding is breakdancing. Breakdancing will be uh, an official Olympic sport at the 2024 Paris Games. Now, for me, I didn't even realize people were still breakdancing. Breakdancing was... A huge thing when I was a kid. Uh, I was never very good at it in the 80s. I, I, I really didn't try to get good at it. Um, but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of kids were. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And there were movies about it. And as far as I knew, it had, it had disappeared. Uh, so when I saw this headline that the Olympics were adding breakdancing to the slate of sports in 2024, I was... I was kind of surprised. Uh, I, f- I figured where they were going with it. And the Olympic Games uh, have been for, for years trying to figure out how to attract younger viewers, the all-powerful demographic for advertisers, for TV advertisers. How do you get people in their 20s and 30s to watch the Olympics more and to want to participate in the Olympics more? And so they've added various sports. Um, and as I was thinking about breakdancing, I thought about BMX freestyle. 
BMX freestyle is, you know, riding a, a bike up and down um, a, a, a little course and doing flips. Uh, it's it's something like um, uh, ski freestyle that Gus Kenworthy has won an Olympic silver medal in, and and these events were just like breakdancing, added to the Olympic Games, designed specifically to attract a younger audience and diversify the kinds of sports that the Olympics offer. And, 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 you know, admittedly, I, I'm kind of an Olympic traditionalist. You know, my favorite sports to watch are track and field and swimming and diving, uh, sports that have been around since the beginning of the Olympic Games. Um, mostly individual sports, frankly. I, you know, I, it's, it's wonderful when an American team... You know, the, the, when the Dream Team in 1992 uh, took the basketball scene by storm in Barcelona, I mean, that was, it was fun to watch. I mean, you know, you watch your team win 100 to 20 or whatever those crazy scores were. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's boring, but it's also exciting. Clyde Drexler, you know, dunking the ball from the free throw line and whatnot. Um, and, and yeah, obviously it's great when, you know, the women's soccer team is able to pull off uh, an Olympic medal. But generally, the, the team sports aren't, aren't, aren't of super interest to me. It's those individual sports that I love to watch. The sports that, that get such little attention for most of the year. And then the Olympics, they take center stage. Plus, I, I ran track and field and, and cross country in high school. So I have a particular affinity to, to, for those. I, I mentioned before that Florence Griffith Joyner and Carl Lewis were my heroes growing up. So, you know, it's real, but they're really those traditional sports that I gravitate toward with the Olympics. And, you know, people, and there's no doubt, and I saw many comments, um, you know, breakdancing, you know, ridiculous, and, and um, the, the, the Olympic Games are undermining their own credibility. But I want to give you a little historic perspective on the Olympic Games. Because way back when, you might be shocked to hear some of the sports that were Olympic sports. For example, in the 1900 Olympic Games, croquet was an Olympic sport. Croquet, the long game where you tap the ball through wickets and you try to uh, hit the other person's ball. This was croquet was an Olympic sport. There were some there are people with Olympic gold, silver, and bronze medals for playing croquet on a lawn. Another Olympic sport was the tug of war. The tug of war was an Olympic sport, believe it or not, in 1900. And, you know, we, we, it's, it's today, it's just, a, it's a kid's game, right? You play it at, at you play it in uh, gym, but, uh, but it was, it was, it was a thing. It, it, it's, 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 it's inclusion in sports dates back into the years BC. And today we look at it as, you know, it's just a, it's a kid's game. You play at recess. But tug of war was an Olympic medaled sport. So you look at some of these things that have been included in the past and maybe adding things like BMX freestyle and freestyle skiing and, and even breakdancing. Maybe it's not so crazy. Uh, including it in 1920, and, and uh, sorry, the 2024 Olympics doesn't mean necessarily that it's suddenly going to be an international craze 
and going to dominate the Olympic Games for the next 100 years, it means they're going to try it out and see how it goes. And maybe it'll stick and maybe it won't. You also might be surprised to hear that the Olympic Games for quite a while, uh, and from uh, 1912 to 1948, included art competitions in the Olympic Games. There were five different categories. Architecture. Architecture was an Olympic medaled sport. Literature, music, painting, and sculpture. So you can say, oh, breakdancing is not a sport. It's more of a, it's more of a, a form of expression. It's artistic. And, and you, you, might, you very well may be right. But the Olympic Games also has a history of including art and, and not art where you're jumping around and, and, and you know, breakdancing has some has a healthy dose of athleticism to it. If the Olympic Games could for 30 years include you know, painting and, uh, and music, I think they can include breakdancing and, and BMX freestyle. And one of the things that the art competitions did is it allowed some countries that may struggle to produce uh, elite level athletes compete for medals. So over the course of those three plus decades, Luxembourg won some medals, won a couple gold medals. Uh, Monaco won a bronze medal. These countries do not win a lot of Olympic medals. And so it gave these countries an opportunity to celebrate the Olympics and participate in the Olympics at a high level. And that was the entire point of them. The other thing it did is it gave different kinds of people uh, the opportunity to participate. One of the very first LGBTQ uh, Olympians we know who won a medal was Rene Sintenis. She was a German sculptor and won a, a, a sculpture bronze medal in 1928. And my guess is, uh, you know, it's not no big shocker that uh, the, the arts uh, have a heavy dose of LGBTQ people in and around them. And so th having the art competitions, while this certainly was not the intention in 1912 when they decided to do it, it allowed a different group of people, not just a different set of countries to compete, but a different group of people to compete who may not naturally gravitate toward sports. So, and, and, and that really is uh, another big reason why break, we should give breakdancing a chance and, and BMX freestyle. I keep mentioning BMX freestyle because it's on my mind because it, as I was thinking about this, I thought about Chelsea Wolf, the, the trans BMX freestyler. And I thought, gosh, the inclusion of BMX freestyle in the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games is giving the opportunity for a trans athlete, Chelsea Wolf, to compete, uh, to compete as a woman. Um, she's likely going to be alternate. She's likely not going to compete, but even still, she's going to be an alternate for the Olympic Games, a, a trans woman. And this is an, this is an important statement. It's, 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 it's one of the reasons that, that adding these sports is important. Uh, you know, a lot of kids who are breakdancing may not have access to elite level coaching and facilities. Um, but you know what? They can play some music uh, on the basketball court and they can breakdance. And so it gives different people, again, 
the the main goal of this is to make the Olympics accessible for a whole different group of people. So I appreciate, and I also, I mean, I share. There's still part of me rolls my eyes like breakdancing, really, breakdancing. But when I look at the history of the Olympics and I really think about what they stand for, uh, I understand it. And I, you know, I'm just, I'm not against it. I'm, I'm mostly curious about it. I'm curious to see what breakdancing looks like in 2024, because again, I haven't seen it since, you know, breakdancing to electric boogaloo or whatever that movie was that came out in the eighties. And, you know, in our high school dances and, uh, Varney Harrington and Noopy Texera and other kids in my class who were breakdancing on, on, on the gym floor. I haven't seen it since then. So I'm curious to see what it's like. And again, if it, if it doesn't work, it won't work and it'll go away. But uh, I'm, I'm willing to give it a chance. Uh, I, and, and my guess is it will probably do pretty well in the ratings because people will be curious. And my guess is, my guess is that Olympic level breakdancing is completely different from what I saw in high school in, uh, well, we'll say a while ago. Though it does leave me wondering, um, what's next? Is voguing next? You know, they, if they want to offer more opportunities to the LGBTQ community, is voguing next? Flagging hasn't been in vogue for a while. Flagging, if you don't know, is this form of, um, that's kind of dancing. It's, you, you take this weighted flag, two weighted flags, and you spin them around kind of in concert with one another. And I've done actually have a pair of flags, believe it or not. Um, when I was a writer at the New York Blade, uh, I wrote about flagging and there was somebody who in New York would make flags. So I designed one, it was like silver and light blue. Uh, and I have been a flagger in the past. It's actually, it's, it's very pretty. I don't know why it, it fell out of, um, fell out of style in the, the gay dance world, but it did. And every once in a while, you'll see somebody up in the stands or, uh, on the side, uh, with his flag, spinning them around, usually somebody in his fifties or sixties or seventies. Uh, but I wonder what's next, you know, how, how far will the Olympic games go? How many different, um, Events will they will they include going forward? They've actually reduced a bunch of um, they've t- taken away some spots in different sports uh, like like uh, powerlifting uh, where they they're just going to have fewer athletes participating um, than than last year. Uh, but either way, it's it's I'm, I'm I don't know I'm excited to see break dancing. I'm curious about it and my mind's open to it. So. Uh, and you know what, maybe, maybe some LGBTQ people will show up there that would, which would be amazing. You know, another opportunity for LGBTQ people to compete in the Olympic games, which I am all for. Uh, I had, be sure to weigh in on the Outsports post or on Twitter or Facebook, uh, on what you think about breakdancing, um, in the, as an Olympic sport, I can only imagine what some of the perspectives are going to be. I had hoped to have a, a world-class athlete join this week, but they messaged me a couple hours before we were going to talk and said, oh, Christmas is killing me. Can we please do after the holidays? Um, and I wanted to talk about breakdancing anyway, so it gave me the opportunity. But we will be back after the new year 
I'm not going to have an episode on January 4th. I'm taking a break for the holidays. And But do come back then. Check out all the other Outsports podcasts. Go on Apple Podcasts, please, and give us five stars if you think we deserve it, which I think we do. I hope you think we do. Uh, either way, I hope you had a lovely holiday season. Uh, I hope the... The new year brings good fortune and good cheer and all positive vibes. And we will talk to you on the other side of January 1st.